And good morning. You can have a seat. Happy Father's Day, too, to all of the fathers. Uh, I had written something out, too, and, but I thought Amanda's um, thing earlier today really captured what I wanted to say. But all this, all this week, I really felt it just strong on my heart that um, in, a, in a culture of lots of cursing and degradation and insulting and calling people out, um, I would love to see the body of Christ be a place where um, blessing is spoken, not cursing. And so today, I just felt it strong in my heart that we would pray a blessing over all of the fathers in this room here today, those watching online. Uh, it could be spiritual fathers, biological fathers, um, even those that wish to be fathers, but that has not come to pass yet, or just fathers in this room that are grieving. Maybe like Amanda said, their loss of broken relationship, with, if it's with their own children, or um, if you've lost your father in this last, maybe this last year even, whatever it might be, wherever you find um, yourself landing today, I just want to pray a blessing. So if you're near somebody, and if it seems appropriate um, to just lay a hand on their shoulder, um, if you're just a, just even a male here today, just open your, maybe your hands just to receive. I just want to pray a blessing. So let's just take some time this morning, and if there's somebody on, online or somebody that's not with you here today, let's just think about them and extend our hands and our hearts to bless them. Father, we thank you for every man represented in this place, all of the fathers, biological, the grandfathers of grandchildren, the fathers of young children still in the home, of adult children, the spiritual fathers who have mentored and, and encouraged and spoken life into the next generation, everyone represented here today in every story, where every one lands today, God, you know, and today we just speak from, from the voice from heaven as the Father spoke blessing over his son before he did anything. We just agree with that today and speak a blessing over every man in this room here today. Father, I pray that our hearts would be filled with your spirit. Their hearts and the, their eyes of their understanding would know the love that you have for them. That they would be encouraged today that their weak hands would be strengthened, feebled knees would be strengthened. I pray for courage. I pray for just a softness and a sweetness of heart towards those around them. Lord, I pray that this year, that this journey they are on, that they would become more like you, Jesus, and representing the Heavenly Father to this world, to the people you've entrusted them with. Bless them, Lord. I pray for a blessing of health, I pray for a blessing of clarity of mind. I pray for a blessing of just strength. Thank you for them and the gift they are to each one of us. I pray they feel loved today, appreciated today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. Um, so we are in the series on uh, the life of Joseph. And um, man, it's been, it's been really good so far. And so it's an honor to be here today. My name is Nicholas, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And so as we dive into chapter 40 today, um, um, I want to try to accomplish um, multiple things here today. But I want to start out with, with a question. And here's my, real, my big question here this morning. Have you ever been confused by God? Have you ever been confused by God's plans? Yes, no, 
Maybe. <laughs> Has following Jesus ever seemed to make your life more complicated? It's kind of doing my own thing. Life was kind of, but then I brought Jesus in, and now i got to wrestle with this, who's Lord of my life? What is his will for my life? Have you ever asked God this question, what is going on? This doesn't make sense. It kind of reminds me of like three-way intersections here in Fergus Falls. <laughs> I put it on Instagram the other day, but just like it was fascinating because I go through the, the intersection there by um, kind of by the hospital, like Union and Vernon, whatever that one is. I lived here my whole life. I don't know what street names are, but anyway, it's by that one house, this color, but I don't know the street name. Um, and you just see people coming from, like, the holiday downtown way, and just, they stop there, and I'm like, you're new to Fergus, aren't you? <laughs> and they're just like, do I, do I go? And we're all like, you can go. And they're like, what? This is so crazy. I'm like, I know. It's confusing grace and peace to you. <laughs> or how about the intersection by the old Target, Lincoln School? I mean, you need the spirit of discernment to know what to do in that intersection. Whose spirit should I go or should I stay? <laughs> You got to look in front of you, to the side. You got to look behind you. So life can kind of be like that sometimes, following the Lord. Like, this is confusing. Do I go? Do I stop? Do I stay? What is going on? Have you ever found yourself in a situation that doesn't really make sense at all? And then you begin to wrestle with the sovereignty of God. And that's what this whole series is about, is the sovereignty of God over suffering and evil. Um, where it's like, man, this is not how I thought this was going to play out. And then you ask questions like this. I have. Is he in control? Okay, now, how much control? What's my part? What's his part? Does God cause everything? I don't, he doesn't cause everything, but he uses everything. But does he allow then certain things? Okay, why does he allow bad things? Why didn't he stop that from happening? Are you with me today? And theologians, like, debate this stuff. So we're not going to get deep down. Like, there's, there still is no, no agreement on what exactly. There's a lots of perspectives on the sovereignty of God. But these are big questions. And I might venture to guess today that, man, all of us are very familiar with these questions. Matt Chandler, author, pastor, he wrote a book, um, The Explicit Gospel. But he said this. Trying to figure out God is like trying to catch a fish in the Pacific Ocean with an inch of dental floss. That's kind of a good description. I mean, I would even venture to say that if you've never wrestled with these questions, then maybe you're playing the role of God in your life. Yeah, everything's great up and to the right. It's good. It's never been better. My plan, I mean, I mean God's plan is going exactly how I, I mean, he wants it to go. And if we're not careful, I think sometimes um, we would so love for God to be a formula. We would love the plan of God to be a formula. Two plus two equals four every single time. It just doesn't seem to work out that way. And if we're not careful, I think preachers like myself or churches want to try to sell God like a formula. Follow this, and it will guarantee these results. So we try to sell God or treat God like a formula instead of a person to follow that desires greater intimacy with you than anything else in your life. 
intimacy with you. And then believers, we sit in seats, and man, we love the preachers and the teaching that tell me what to do for success. Remove the mystery. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Remove the wrestling. How do I work the formula, preacher? Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Okay, two plus two equals four every time. Because I want an incredible life, don't you? I want a great life. I want a life that's free from pain, loss, disillusionment. I want an incredible job where I don't have to work and make lots of money. <laughs> I want an awesome marriage. I want perfect children and a really nice house, a Ford F-250 diesel, all black with a huge Malibu boat right behind it. How do I get that, Lord? How do I get that kind of life? Preacher, tell me how I can get that and experience that. R.C. Sproul said this, um, most Christians salute the sovereignty of God, but believe in the sovereignty of man. I've been wrestling, sitting on that one all week. Most Christians, yeah, God's in control. Okay, now what do I got to do? And so today, I want to be really honest with you about the journey that leads to greater intimacy. And I really want to act or serve more as like a guide than to be a salesperson with all the answers, trying to guarantee something that I really don't have the authority to do. Because when we truly place our lives in the hands of God, hang on. I want to follow you, Jesus. Here's my life. Okay. okay. <laughs> Are you ready for a journey? What I've come to learn in this journey of following Jesus is that there is much mystery, much mystery around the ways of God. I'm learning to accept that more and more. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says this. My thoughts, says the Lord, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. And your ways are not like my ways, announces the Lord. The heavens are higher than the earth. And my ways are higher than your, than your ways. And your ways are not like my ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So as we approach now, chapter 40, this part in the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, we see some things that I believe, and I want to invite you guys here today, we see some things that we are invited to wrestle with, and they are really uncomfortable things when it comes to just the, the, the plan of God, the will of God, the sovereignty of God. I'm following you, Lord. And there are some things here to wrestle with. And I want to invite you into this because I believe we all encounter this. And so I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to be honest with you. And, and, and say, like, we, we love messages that go like, you know, breakthroughs coming. God is going to take you from the pit to the palace. Like, your promotion is right around the corner. We love messages like that. I do. I'm like, amen. Have faith. Believe. And none of that is really necessarily bad. But it usually typically involves a journey. And what happens on that journey is hang on. So we take a story like Joseph, and we fail to realize that really what takes five minutes for us to read, we see the beginning, oh yeah, this crazy stuff happened, and then, but look how it ended, applause, let's move on. We take five minutes story, and we fail to realize this thing was like 13, 14, 15 
years in the making, maybe a lifetime process in the making. And so the end of the story, wow, it's amazing. But man, the journey to get there can be brutal. The moments in between, the day-to-day, that's where the wrestle is. And so today I want to invite all of us to lean into this part of the story. And I I just have kind of um, um, not come up with, but like have noticed, maybe observed, four truths to wrestle with today when it comes to the sovereignty of God. Are you with me? Okay, you with me? And so I'm going to, again, Amanda had uh, chapter 39 last week. I'm going to go back into chapter 39 a little bit as well because I think it kind of helps tie everything together. But some observations in this moment in the life of Joseph, and maybe you can relate. My first observation is this, is that sometimes doing the right thing will cost you everything. In this journey of following the Lord, letting him lead, obeying him, seeking to please him and honor him, sometimes doing the right thing will cost you everything. Think about Joseph. It says in there, what did I do to deserve this? He did nothing, nothing wrong. He was trying to be faithful to serve Potiphar, to be faithful to the Lord. He was pursued by Potiphar's wife for a very long time, and he resisted. And then there came this moment of, like, a really strong attempt to, and and the, the temptation was there to do something wrong. And Joseph chooses to do the right thing in that moment, to run and to flee, and it ended up costing him everything. And it's like, what gives? That doesn't make sense. Have you ever wrestled with that? Have you ever had that happen in your life? It's like you feel like the Lord's asking you to do something. It's like if I do that, God, I feel like it's going to cost me, cost me everything. It was the sins of others that put Joseph into prison. He did the right thing. He didn't deserve any of it, yet he still found himself in prison. Because sometimes in the sovereignty of God, There's not this guarantee that if I do the right thing, good things are going to happen. It's much deeper than that. And in our lives, man, I think we have to wrestle with this. There's going to be moments, there's going to be testing times where doing the right thing might cost you position, might place you in 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 like a prison, so to speak, um, And we have to wrestle with questions of, like, what values are we going to be living our life by? To please and honor the Lord or to please people? And doing the right right thing at times does not guarantee that we will not experience loss. And just think about it. If Joseph had slept with Potiphar's wife, he may have still been free and kept his position And yet he chose to live by integrity, and it cost him. I want to think about it a little bit different. It cost him everything on the outside, but think about this. He might have been imprisoned externally, but yet I believe Joseph was still free internally. I 
think there's a lot of people in this life where, man, they really look free externally, but yet internally they are imprisoned. How do you want to live your life? Everything is in control externally. It all looks good. But internally, you know you've disobeyed, you've dishonored God. So there's this piece of like wrestling with, that doesn't make sense. That he would do the right thing and yet find himself in prison. So sometimes doing the right thing will cost you everything. Mark 8, 36 to 37 says this, Jesus calling to the, the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Remember that song, Jesus Take the Wheel? <laughs> Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way my way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and to lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? And in this story, I just believe we see a beautiful example of somebody who understood that he wanted to honor the Lord to preserve his true self, even though he ended up in prison unfairly for a long time. Yet Joseph maintained his integrity. He maintained that relationship with the Lord. So there might be moments like that in your life. I know I've experienced that in my life. Man, it's brutal. It's hard. Have you ever had it in your life where the sins of others has thrown you into your life upside down into a situation you're like I don't want to be here this isn't fair let's go on to the next observation that comes from Genesis 40 1 through 4 sometime later Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master some people say it could have been that they were conspiring to murder because they were in charge of you know making sure his food was okay and his drink was okay some people said it could have just been some sand in his drink. Boom, offended, you're done. Like, who? <laughs> we don't know. But he offended, they offended their royal master, and Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was, in the place of the captain guard. And this is what stuck out to me, and it was bugging me. I don't like this all week. They remained in prison for a short time? No, they remained in prison for quite some time time. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph who looked after them. And again, we're looking at like the life and the story of Joseph. And it's just fascinating to me how long he is in prison. So my second observation about the sovereignty of God and him working in our life and where we find ourselves today is this. And we wrestle with this. It could be quite some time. Have you ever wrestled with the timing of the Lord? Has it ever felt like God is moving slowly? Or is it just me? Have you 
Have you ever thought this is taking a long time? Are you like me and you desire the microwave version of God's plan instead of the crockpot version? Come on, where are all the grandmas at today who understand crockpots? <laughs> Pork stowed in the microwave. Usually, crockpots involve it's the process of preparing and the slow simmering, and you go home after church. And instead, we just want this quick. I want the results now. And there is this reality about the sovereignty of God that I don't like. But God doesn't seem to have a problem taking his time. And there's a beauty in that. There is a secret in that. And there is a real wrestling with that. When it comes to following the Lord, it could be quite some time. Joseph found himself in prison for quite some time. So today, do you find yourself in, in a prison or things don't make sense? How did I get here? God, why am I here I thought I did the right thing, and now I feel like I'm totally in the wrong place. What is going on? And it feels like it's taking forever. A couple observations or things that I think can help when you're waiting on the Lord. This, this really helps me. God is multitasking. I love that word, multitasking. God is multitasking others into this huge, grand story. Can I remind you today, church, the sovereignty of God, it is not only about me in me, my story. It is not only about you today. It is about this much bigger, grand story. God weaving people's stories, things together, all at the same time. And so when you're sitting there waiting, you have no idea what God is working on over here, and things start coming together. So maybe for a moment today, let's get our eyes off of ourselves. Get our eyes onto the Lord and trust that he might be weaving something together that is so much bigger than just me. Just, just poor me. Or just you. He's multitasking. God is able to work all things, many things together. And so if you find yourself too in this waiting space and it feels like it's taking quite some time, it's just we see it with Joseph. Just be faithful with what God has put in your hands today. You find yourself in prison. It feels like you've lost position. You feel like you're in a space of insignificance. Nobody knows me anymore. I feel captive. I feel like I've lost it. What has God placed in your hands today? And just be faithful with that. Another observation in this waiting season is to get your eyes on others. Um, and get your eyes on others. In Genesis 40, Oh, verses 5 through 7, it says this. It's really cool, I think. It speaks into just the character and who Joseph is. But it says, while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed Joseph, the one who had been completely, he shouldn't be there. And he noticed what? That they both looked upset. He was attuned to the condition of the people that God had placed in his hands in that moment. He could see that they were upset. And he asked the question, why do you look so worried today? He cared. He cared. And I, here's, here's, I believe like life happens and we ask these questions about the sovereignty of God. Like what is going on? 
And if we're not careful, we find ourselves in a prison and we can either be people who throw pity parties in prison and sit and point fingers at all the reasons why everyone else is so wrong for this prison we don't deserve. We get bitter and pitiful. We lose sight of what God has placed around us, the people he has placed around us to care for. There are other people in similar seasons. Man, I have just seen in my life, it's crazy, like bad things happen and you get thrown into these seasons of like, Lord, what gives? I didn't, I wasn't even involved with that. I didn't even, that person's decision has deeply affected my life and like that doesn't seem fair. Ah, what I have learned is that there are other people in similar prisons or similar situations, similar things have happened to them in their life, and they find themselves in that place. And instead of like just hopefully we can, instead of getting like just self-focused, self-centered, poor me, if we open our eyes, I believe God, we'll begin to see this people in similar seasons that God has maybe brought into your path to minister to. And now you have empathy and you understand what they are going through. So we can either be people that throw pity parties, call out all the wrong, or we can be people of faith and a sovereign God who can see there's even purpose in prison. There was purpose for Joseph even in the prison. So today, man, I feel like it's taking quite some time. Maybe just release that to the Lord. Stop trying to figure out the timing of God. And just open your eyes to the people he has placed around you who have similar stories, similar situations. Be faithful, care, tend to them. Get our eyes on other people, not just poor me. The third observation I have is this. And this is a huge thing. I think we could spend a whole series on this, but I'm just going to quickly cover it, is that the favor of God, when it comes to the sovereignty of God, the favor of God is not necessarily determined by the circumstances in your life. God was with Joseph in the palace. Was he not? Things went well. God was with him in the prison. Was he not? Things went well. His favor on his life was just the same. And I think there's a mistake we can make in the church and Christianity where we just want to keep this real simple, real cut and dry. If good things are happening, God must be pleased. If bad things are happening, God must be mad. And then we sit back in our judgmental postures as bad things are happening in other people's life. Like, oh man, I wonder where they messed up. Or we just get rest assured, like, man, good things are happening to my life. God must be so pleased. And it's so much, the story of Joseph kind of blows all of that out of the water. There's much more wrestling to be had. Like, sometimes the favor of God on your life, man, it could mean a journey through some really hard, difficult, confusing things. We see it, this in Joseph's life some crazy situations, and it says explicitly in the text, the favor of God was on him. He was with him, and he was kind to him. What? To go through hard, confusing things, and yet the favor of God is on your life? Have you wrestled with that? It's not as simple as good things mean 
blessing and bad things mean it's not quite that simple. Because sometimes obedience leads you into this journey. That doesn't make sense. Genesis 39, again, go back a little bit, but it says, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. You don't need a position or a platform to be used by God. Church, people, you don't need a platform or a position to be used by God. I've had to learn this lesson in my life. I do not need a microphone to speak to people. I don't need a platform to minister. I don't need a position to be validated and favored by God. If God is with me in prison, I'd rather be there than in the palace without him. I would rather have the presence of God and him be with me in a place of nothing where nobody even notices than to be in a palace where everything seems great on the outside, but there's a void on the inside of like, but God is not here with me. I would rather follow God in obedience and have it lead to a prison than to disobey and maintain a place of of position. His presence is worth more than anything. It is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. And it's interesting. um, There's just been seasons... I don't know, I guess of life where you've, you've experienced maybe the platform or the opportunity or position and it's like, eh, it wasn't that great. Or there's a lot of responsibility or whatever the thing might be. But then you find yourself maybe in this season of just like smallness and insignificance and like hiddenness. And then you kind of see like, oh, there's people here too. There's people here to love and to minister to. And it doesn't require a microphone. doesn't require a platform. just requires kindness wherever you find yourself to be, wherever that is. And then after a little while, it's like, I would actually rather have that than that. So there's favor even in the place of prison. There are people to love everywhere we go. You've been commissioned Fill with the Spirit of God. Place exactly where he wants you to be. Stop waiting for the platform. Because if we don't learn this, two things can happen. We either, one, we miss the favor of God in the prison. Think of Joseph. He had, could have squandered all of those years just hoping for that position again, to be Potiphar's right-hand man again, to have the power and the control again and the prestige and all that came with it. And instead, we see Joseph just being faithful and recognizing the favor of God, even where he found himself. So one, we can miss the favor of God in prison, or we start to strive for the power and the platform again. So today, wherever you find yourself, I think the question is, am I in this place today because of of obeying God? And if that's the case, I believe you'll find the favor and the presence of God with you there in that place. And that is worth more than a thousand days elsewhere. Last observation as we come to a close here this morning from this story. We see it towards the end of chapter 40. It was really sticking out to me as well the last couple weeks. Um, My observation is this, is to put your hope in God not people. Put your hope in God, not people. We see this moment, man, where things really start coming together. 
Things start moving, things start shaking, so happens to be that this cupbearer and this baker, here they are in my care. You had a dream? Interesting. We see Joseph's gift being starting to be used. Things start moving, start shaking, and they give this, you know, their dreams, which are crazy. I feel really bad for the baker, dude. Like, it's kind of, it's not funny. Like, it's really sad. But, like, this so favorable interpretation, and then it's just, Joseph gives, like, his interpretation. It's just, yeah, and you're, you're just, you're going to die, and they're going to peck your flesh. And then, boom, right to just the next verse. There's no anything. Like, no, sorry, dude, nothing. Just that's what it's going to be. And it happens. And I'm not getting into that. I don't know what that all means. But um, what we do see, though, is, like, Things start moving. Things start happening. And I don't know if you've been in this season where you've been in a season of waiting. You're trying to be faithful with what God has given you. And then things kind of start moving around. You're like, maybe this is my moment. Maybe this is where I get finally free. And you start putting your hope in. starts kind of increasing and kind of start getting excited. And we see Joseph saying, uh, this to, to the cupbearer, like he gives him the favorable, he's like, hey, 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 now when this happens, can you do me a favor? Can you please mention me to Pharaoh so I can get out of here? And it all comes to pass, which is so crazy. And here's what happens. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, just as he had interpreted he prepared a banquet to all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and his chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. And so then Pharaoh's cupbearer came before Pharaoh and said, Hey, you got to remember this guy. No. The cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Today, I want to remind you, church, that maybe your eyes have shifted towards people. Maybe your hope has, you've gotten tired in the waiting and your hope has shifted from God to people and people have failed you. People have forgotten about you. Joseph must have felt like, man, this was it. When will an opportunity like this ever happen again? Somebody high up in the rankings has come and they have these dreams and I, I know I can interpret these dreams and it's going to happen like this is my opportunity. Seriously, Mr. Cup Bearer, you had one job. I asked one favor and you completely forgot? Like maybe this is it. Maybe I will just be in this prison forever. Like maybe you found yourself in a place, in a space, and you thought, this person is going to get me out of this. This person is going to be the connection. This person is going to be the, the networking. Like this is where, here we go, here we go. Okay, now it's all coming together, and it all falls flat. And I want to remind hearts today, including my own, man maybe has forgotten, man maybe has failed, but God has not. The story 
is not over. And I want to say to you today, put your hope back in God. Just because people have failed does not mean God has. Just because people fail does not mean God has failed. The worship team can begin to come up. We're going to go into a time of communion real soon. Um, But I want to read one more passage of Scripture. Um, We're going to go to the Isaiah one with the slides. But I want to remind um, some hearts today who are waiting on the Lord, um, who are tempted to go through man to get free. And instead, I want to say to you, trust in God because his timing is perfect. So in Isaiah 40, 31, um, it says this. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob? Or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired and gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those, those, those who wait, those who wait upon God, those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. So today, if you're tired of people failing, if you're tired of waiting, if you're tired, you feel like you've been faithful in this season and God has not yet come through, I want to remind you today, believer, to believe again, to put your hope in God again. He will never fail. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for this story, this this scripture, this life of Joseph that we get to look at. And for all of us, God, who are desiring to follow you and to please you and to honor you, we find ourselves maybe in confusing seasons that don't make sense. Maybe we felt like we've done the right thing and it's landed us in prison. Or maybe it seems like it's just been quite some time and we're tired. Or maybe we're questioning the favor of God in our life, whether or not you're with us or that maybe you're mad at us or something. We've gotten our eyes onto people as our Savior instead of you, God, and trusting your time and that you're still working everything out for good. Pray for those people today, like Joseph, who found himself there for quite a long time. I pray for strength today. I pray for renewed hope today. People who are maybe confused that they would not become hopeless, God. That you are at work. You are at work even when we don't see it. Today, Holy Spirit, I pray that as we take communion, we be reminded of your goodness. 
And as we worship you, Lord, today, that our hearts would be freed and liberated just to trust you again with wherever we are at in this journey of following you. In your name we pray, amen.